Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Can you do the Skeletor laugh? <laughs> By the power of Grayskull. Coming to you almost live from the secret DVD vault. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your mesmerized hosts. I say mesmerized because this is a room that is wall-to-wall DVDs, and I am, like, totally distracted. Uh, Because with us today on the podcast is the founder and editor of TV Shows on DVD.com, Gord Lacey. Hello. Hi, Gord. Hi. Why... Do you have so many DVDs? Actually, don't answer that. Have you watched them all? No. Okay. I, no, nowhere near. So Gord, many, many years ago, how long ago did you found TV shows on DVD? It will be 11 years in just a couple weeks. And how old were you when you founded it? Can I ask that? Is that yeah, okay to ask? No, I'm, I'm doing the math now. 24? Okay. 23. 23 or 24. 23. So you start this, you create a website because you love TV shows on DVD and you decide you want to talk about them. What what was the impetus for starting it? (laughs) I was bored. Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. That's how all great things And he liked watching television. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I had a bunch of time on my hands. I was a web developer at Grand McEwen College, uh, community college back then. And I was doing some cold fusion programming just you know interfacing databases with websites and at the college it's very strict it's like this is what you're gonna do one two three and there wasn't really any way to deviate from that so i thought i should start kind of a project that would allow me to learn something that i could then apply to the job and i was looking around there was no one really talking about tv shows on dvd back then there were just a few season sets x-files would come out sex in the city couple other things but there wasn't really there was no focus no one was focusing on it. it was always the next greatest hollywood blockbuster so i thought it'd be cool if there was a way that people could go and get information on tv shows that were coming out but also a way that they could talk to the studios kind of indirectly and say this is what i would buy if you released it so is a true fan site in a way to start with it was a fan site but I had always started it with the idea that it was going to be something. Yeah. It wasn't just me mucking around. I wanted to work with the studios and and provide them feedback and say, look, I've got this many people that say they want to buy this show. It's pretty popular. Why don't you release it? So, okay, that that's interesting. Then it can't just have been a passion of a cold fusion programmer. You were obviously very interested in TV. Yeah. And, and... Was it the DVD medium that that really sort of captivated you? Or was it just the fact that you could, it made sense to start putting all this stuff on DVD? Um, I had never really been into VHS. Yeah. I had, I don't know, nine movies maybe. And I think three of those were when McDonald's had them for like two bucks. You know, those horrible McDonald's things you could buy yeah so i really had no interest in owning tv shows on vhs but yeah when dvds come out you can get a whole season in a few inches that was pretty cool so So it was like a it was more of a a logistical space consideration for you it was space it was also yeah i don't know cost maybe it was just that time of my life i think when i was 15 16 i wasn't too interested in owning any tv shows yeah and it was a little more prohibitive, I seem to recall, because I I do remember there were a few television shows that had come out on VHS, mm-hmm. but at best you're getting two, three episodes per, per VHS. You had to spend $20, $40 per tape. Yeah. And then it's taking up a huge amount of shelf space, yeah. as you mentioned. So it was, it really was kind of prohibitive to, let's say, invest 
in owning a television show at that mm. point. Well, I think that's what Columbia House really made their mark is you could subscribe to TV shows and they'd send you one every month and charge you tons of money for it. But that was never something that you took an interest in. No. Columbia House. Never. So then how did you start to did you did you start buying TV shows on DVD or was was TV shows on DVD the website just a way to talk about the potential and what new releases were coming out? I bought I bought a few before I started the website. I think The Simpsons and Sopranos. I think the first season of Sopranos came out just before I started the site. Okay. So, yeah, I spent, I think it was 10 months working on the site before I launched it. Wow. Yeah, I almost gave it up at one point. Why? Uh, I had this other, now looking back now, it's a horrible idea, but I wanted, <laughs> I was so annoyed by those little bugs in the corner of the screen you know, the station IDs. Yeah. I was going to start a site where people could upload all the annoying bugs from around the world. I, I almost gave up TV shows and DVD to have this stupid website. I don't think that would have been as successful. No. Maybe. Or as enjoyable. No. Only to a niche of super autistic people, I think. And even then, those people are smart. Yeah. And they're not into that shit. No. Now, I have to ask. Um... I know for a fact that a lot of people uh, make a career out of something that they really enjoy. And suddenly, because it's their job, they no longer enjoy it. Uh, people, and this is especially true for people I know who got into making video games. They love video games. They get into the video game industry. Suddenly, it's not as fun for them anymore because it's no longer their pastime. It's their career. Or they appreciate it on a different level, I suppose, but not the same level they used to. You watch... TV on DVD for a living. Mm -hmm. Do you still enjoy television? I love it. There you go. I rarely complain about my job. And and just so everyone... And only knows, when he has to watch shitty, shitty TV. TV. No, but, but even then, the way it works is studios will send me stuff and I'll sit down and watch it if, if I want to. Sometimes they'll kind of pitch me on something and say like, please, 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 can you watch and review this? So I usually have so much TV that I get to pick and choose what I want to watch. Sometimes I'll watch something that I really, really don't like. <laughs> Sometimes I'll watch something that I think I won't like and I end up really liking it. So um, you start this website, you've got people talking to you because they're like, this should be out on DVD and, and it should have features or whatever. Mm -hmm. How did you get the attention of the studios? How did you How did you manage to convince them to start sending you stuff and to start interfacing with you? Basically, what, what I started doing was not doing what a lot of people do. A lot of people start websites to get free stuff. Yeah. And so what I started was a website to promote their stuff. And so when I was contacting these people, I wasn't saying, hey, how do I get on a list to get free DVDs? I was saying, hey, how do I get on a list to get press releases so I can promote your stuff? And then once they started sending me press releases and I started promoting their stuff, then it was like that door was open and they'd say, do you want on our screener list? Oh. So, yeah, sure. So you waited for the invitation? Uh, yeah. Was that a strategy? Or is that just kind of the way that it happened? Uh, sure, it was a strategy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you seem clever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a, I can't remember. Uh, I think it was something that I just really wanted to get in touch with the studios, and I didn't want to be that guy that wanted something from them. Yeah. I wanted to be that guy who could offer something to them. I think that's a smart way to do it. And that's arguably a more valuable way to present yourself to the studio. Hey, I, how can I help you as opposed to how can you help me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You came to it as, a, as someone who's passionate about the particular topic area. So mm -hmm. I think it worked for you. Mm -hmm. Now, you eventually wound up selling the site TV Guide. Yep. And how long ago did that happen? Happened in 2007. And did that happen because you had amassed an audience that they were interested in talking to? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. We actually, it's basically it started with a project I worked on with TV Guide. I got a email or a phone call some, some time ago from a publisher in New York. And they said, hey, we've seen your website. We really like it. It's cool. We're working on this project with TV Guide where we're going to put out a book all about TV on DVD. And what they were doing was taking TV Guide's information on the TV shows and pairing it up with the release information I had. Huh. So, for example, Friends. 
they would have all TV guys information on friends, the cast, all that kind of stuff. And then my information would be which season sets came out. What are some of the bonus features? So that kind of got us talking. The book came out. I have no idea how well it sold. It was something I was interested in just because it was a book, but it doesn't really make sense because <laughs> it, it was, it was something that I think like two days after I sent them the information, it was already out of date. Yeah. And then of course it takes time to publish. So by the time it came out, it was like three months out of date. This is before the world of eBooks and publishing and all yeah. that shit. What the yeah, hell? but it was, I just viewed it as a way to tap into a new audience for the website. And it was the start of a good relationship with them. And eventually you started talking about selling this. Yeah, we started, we started talking about some kind of partnership and then it kind of came up. Well, would you consider selling the website? I thought, uh, I don't know. I was still really interested in doing it. Yeah. And we talked and T I mean, TV guys, a big company at that time. It was a website, uh, magazine and a network yeah and so i thought that's great that's there's gonna be lots of opportunities for me to reach other people what i didn't realize it was kind of fragmented it was like the website didn't really talk too much to the magazine people who didn't talk too much to the network and things have changed tv guide's been sold a couple of times now the magazine is a completely separate entity now oh really so, yeah the online and the network are one group and the magazine's totally, totally separate. Okay. And they, you managed to strike a deal where you would stay on as editor. Yeah, that was part of, that was my thing. I wanted to stay on and that was part of their thing when they were buying it. They just didn't want to buy a property and have the guy who created it leave. And it, was, it wasn't a good idea for them, so. Did that change a lot of what you were doing or was it just something that they wanted to have in their, uh, in their arsenal? It was something they wanted to have. They wanted that audience. They wanted, uh, like TV Guide has their own ad people mm -hmm. that sell advertising across all their properties. And my website was part of a bunch of other websites that they bought. Oh, okay. So it wasn't just a one-off. They bought jumptheshark.com and a couple other. I own the book. Yeah. Which is also now extremely out of date. Yeah. Well, and the website's not even around anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. So, yeah, hmm. it's the and there was a couple other websites they bought as well. But. So then, what is it? What you know, you're still doing this. This is your your day job, uh, and we'll get to how that's been complicated recently in a moment. <laughs> um, what is it? Do you have a typical day? What is, What is a no. typical day? Okay. Well, I, I always get up. Yeah. That is the most typical part of his day. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a guarantee. I get up. Uh, what follows next could be putting on pants, maybe no pants. Maybe I answer email. Maybe I start browsing the web. Maybe I have a shower in the morning. Maybe I have a shower at 10 o'clock at night. You're like a man of mystery, Gord. Yeah. I think most of our listeners would love to have a job where they where their first decision every day is, do I even want to put on pants? Yeah. Or even do Maybe I even, not. Do I even want to get up? Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing with the iPad. You sit in bed <laughs> and you're typing reviews. Post. You're going to turn into this large gelatinous human mass now that the iPad's bring, been released. Bring me yeah. more TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you do have to get a certain amount of, uh, of reviews on the site, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, obviously people come to the site for the content, so I'm always trying to review as much as I can. Um, it can often be complicated. I like to review stuff before it comes out because that's really when people are interested in, mm -hmm. in finding out if it's good or not before they have to spend their money. Is it good? Is it crap? And of course I'm not reviewing the actual show Yeah, because I, I hate friends. Okay, I, good. I just, I'm not a fan of friends. The DVDs are really good though. They have good transfers. They have good bonus material. So I try and differentiate between the actual quality of the show and the quality of the DVD. Okay. You, you can have a great show that is shit on DVD. Yeah. Because it's a bad transfer. The audio, maybe there's some problem. There's no extras. So that's where I'm a DVD reviewer, not a TV critic. Right. And the, the TV, the, the shows have already been reviewed anyway, right? Exactly. Sure.
Mac will revoke your internet access. <laughs> so this is Adam coming to you almost live from the Bistro on 112th Street and Jasper Avenue. And I'm here with the former editor-in-chief of the Edmontonian.com and current Olympic uh, synchronized swimmer, Jeff Sampson. Oh, how are you, Jeff? Uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah. That's, uh, how's, the, how's the synchronized swimming? <laughs> uh, it's going well. Yeah. yeah. I assume qualifications would be coming up since the Olympics are in the summer. Probably. Um, I'm talking to Jeff today because he is on the organizing committee for Edmonton's 2012 Media Camp. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what Media Camp is and uh, why people should go? Yeah, this is uh, Media Camp 2, uh, Electric Boogaloo. So it's the second go-round, but it's sort of completely different from the first one. The first one was an unconference, which I'd, I'm not sure if those are still popular at this point. I hope, I hope not. I hate those. But that was where you kind of came in at the start of the day, and everybody that was there got to choose sort of what the topics would be for the different sessions and discussions. Uh, this one's programmed, so we've got sort of streams and, you know, four different sessions through the day. And uh, basically, it's, we sort of said it's for storytellers and developers. Storytellers being uh, primarily traditional media and new media people, whether that's uh, newspapers, television, radio, blogs. Um, we might have you know, photographers or, or people doing video. Um, some uh, PR folks may show up as well. Uh, it, it all depends how they sort of classify themselves and what kind of stories they're telling. And the other side, the developers, so web and app developers, um, but also really people who are just really working online, um, whether that's coding or designing. Um, so sort of like stories and then people who can put internet stuff together, sort of the two streams. Um, and the cool thing is sort of half the day is split into discussion style sessions where we have people talking about things and moderating discussions. And half is really hands-on. We're telling people, bring the laptop. Uh, learn a little bit of coding, learn about uh, manipulating data, um, how you can use that in a story, some design stuff. So, um, yeah, it should be pretty interesting and exciting and hopefully not too interesting or exciting because then I'll feel like I'm missing out on everything by trying to help organize stuff. I, I'm sure that you'll miss out on plenty uh, by the sounds of it. Now, um, if I go to this, this media camp event, can I expect to leave being able to uh, develop my own website to tell stories or, or what is like the the ultimate goal here I think the ultimate goal is to get uh, people who are creating stories especially those in the traditional media uh, a little more familiar with some of the language and some of the things that are happening online uh, and then get some of the people who are developing and building websites and applications and uh, software uh, to be a little more familiar with what happens in terms of crafting stories and, and then also getting their own stories out um, away from sort of uh, the jargon that they're used to. So kind of getting those two sides together. And um, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with anything web-wise, I think you'll probably pick up a few things during the day um, and meet a ton of people that will help you take those next steps. But yeah, you should be able to walk away from the day and, and start thinking about creating your own blog or website or using some of the online tools and social media tools, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Flickr or YouTube or something, if you're not using that, um, to start using that or thinking about using that or getting your IT guys to use it. And then the other big thing about Media Camp 2 is we really want to get the developers and people who are doing the web stuff involved um, with the traditional media folks and then also you know, get them maybe some work locally because you know, the media companies that are larger don't have to wait for Toronto to approve an app or get something developed. Like, there's great talent here. People are building amazing websites, using data in, in great ways. And, uh, you know, if newsrooms and organizations or people running a blog want to create an app, uh, hopefully this is a day where they can meet some people who will build it for them. That's really cool. Now, uh, I'm sold. But, but will lunch be provided? Yes, it will. And I've been telling everybody that because that was not the case in the first one. So it's like, yes, there's lunch. I don't know what it is yet, though. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, how much can people expect to pay for this, uh, this day-long uh, event? Off the top of my head, I don't remember because I think there was a meeting just the other night where we were finalizing the details. But uh, by the time this airs, tickets will be on sale, uh, I think, through yegLive.ca and uh, probably through our own website, uh, Media Camp Edmonton. Great. Well, hey, best of luck with the event. We hope to see a lot of the uh, social media stalwarts out there uh, at Media Camp, which takes place on? On Saturday, February the 4th, 2012.
Excellent. Well, thanks for chatting with us, Jeff, and good luck with the synchronized swimming training. I will need a partner. Oh, oh well, I, I obviously am at your disposal. Have you considered sponsoring or advertising on a local podcast? Well, this is your opportunity. The Unknown Studio is looking for advertisers. If you're interested, contact Adam at theunknownstudio.ca or Scott at theunknownstudio.ca, and this space could be filled with your ad. Now, back to the show. So tell me what makes, for you, a really excellent uh, TV show on DVD. First of all, they have to have all the episodes, <laughs> and the episodes have to be unedited. I hate stuff that it's missing a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. Like That's, someone's gone and decided to change things? Yeah, yeah, or they've, maybe not on purpose, but what happens is, let's say an older show from the 80s, they release this obviously on TV, and then it goes to syndication. When it goes to syndication, they cut a couple minutes out. If you were to watch, for example, The Simpsons right. on TV right now, it's missing a couple minutes from the original airing. I only realized that actually after I bought a few Simpsons DVDs. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that I'd never seen some of these scenes before. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So it has to be complete, one. Yeah. Okay. I like, obviously, good transfer, good audio. Sometimes the material dictates whether it's good or not like if we're talking be. yeah it, it maybe it's an older show that uh is they just have like one inch masters and and that's it or you look at an older show and they have the film lying around so they're able to do a new transfer it, it depends on how much money they have in their budget obviously it costs a lot more money to do a new transfer from film than uh, videotape and then as far as uh, extras go, what are some of the things that you like to see? I like commentary tracks. Yeah. I like commentary tracks. I love documentaries on making certain episodes. I remember one of the 24 seasons, they had this awesome hour and a half long documentary on making the finale. And it went right from the script through to them sh preparing and shooting it and all the uh, stunts. And I mean, that was wonderful. It's like a feature length documentary on a couple TV episodes. It's yeah. great. I, I, but I, see, the thing about when I watch a TV show on DVD, I just mostly just want to get through the series. I, it never really occurs to me, and I'm probably not, uh, I'm probably the exception, to watch the uh, even the commentary tracks. Do you do you do a lot of that? Depends on the, uh, on the series. Yeah. I mean, there are mm -hmm. some series where I'm like, I'm really intrigued to hear what the creators or what the stars have to say. Yeah. And there are some series where I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm not really interested <laughs> I in what, I just what see. so and so has to say. For example, the, um, I have never bothered listening to the commentary on really any of the Doctor Who stuff that I've watched. Really? I know Anita has, cause she's very interested, but I'm just not interested in what, uh, what the uh, creators really have to say during the, uh, during the first season, uh, 30 rock. I tried listening to a couple of the commentary tracks, but the commentary is really poor. Really? They don't really say much. On the other hand, I've listened to all of the commentary for the community, uh, DVD sets that I have because it's hilarious. Yeah. I've listened to all the commentary tracks on the Futurama DVDs I have because they are hilarious. So it's, uh, it really depends on the series. I like having the option. Yeah. Someone was telling me about, I can't remember if it was a TV show or a movie. It might have, for some reason, I'm, I think it was Schwarzenegger and something, but all his or whomever's commentary was, was describing what was happening in the scene. Yeah. I can't remember what that, that's terrible. David, David Milch did that on a couple episodes of NYPD Blue in the first season. It was, here's Caruso. He's looking for the guy. He's checking the bathroom. I thought, oh my God, you're a brilliant writer. <laughs> What the hell are you doing? Um, I It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, and I don't recommend seeing this movie. It's just not a great movie. Ready to Rumble, uh, which was this... It was this weird movie that was tied into WCW wrestling, and uh, it was not great. It was David Arquette. Uh, but the commentary was quite funny because... And this is not a TV show, bear with me. Uh, because 
in like one of the initial scenes, uh, the characters are getting Slurpees from like their local 7-Eleven or, or whatever 7-Eleven store they had. And uh, the two guys who are doing the commentary are like, that's, I'm really, that makes me really crave a Slurpee right now. Let's go get some. Okay. And they leave for 25 minutes. <laughs> They're just gone because they've gone to get Slurpees and they come back 25 minutes later into the movie with Slurpees and continue the commentary. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's actually kind of brilliant. Do you think they actually, they must have actually gone out and done that? Though. I think they did. That's fantastic. Yeah. See, there's a DVD producer that probably should have hit pause there. And <laughs> Yeah. No, I think it's more funny with yeah. them just taking 25 minutes to go, but I have a weird sense of humor, so. Yeah. I, one of my favorite commentaries, not a TV show, but the movie Go. Oh, have yeah. you seen Go? Yeah, I remember Go. And there was a great story. The whole beginning is set in a grocery store. And so these guys, location scouts, went and found this grocery store and they negotiated with the people and gave them some money up front to use the grocery store as a place to shoot. So they come back a couple months later, the guy's taken this money and renovated the grocery store. And they're like, well, we we wanted to shoot here because we liked the way the grocery store was. <laughs> so they actually had to pay to unrenovate the store. Oh my God. And then pay to have it renovated back to what these guys had taken the money and, and spent it on. So what a waste of money. <laughs> totally. But that's what often happens in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Money gets wasted. Money gets wasted. I actually had a, one of the studios who will remain nameless sent me a promo item one time and it was this massive box and the FedEx guy kind of tosses it to me. And I thought, like, Jesus, why is he tossing me this? It's this massive box. It must be heavy. It was light, almost as light as air. So I opened it up. It was a beach ball <laughs> that was inflated. What? They shipped me an inflated beach ball to promote one of the DVDs. That seems like a tremendous waste. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. That's you uh, could no easily money. have folded that into an envelope and it would have probably cost a lot <laughs> less to ship that. It's true, but you know what? I asked her, I asked the PR person, I said, why would you guys send me an inflated beach ball? And she said... If we sent it to you uninflated, would you inflate it? I said, no, probably not. She goes, and that's why we sent it inflated. I, I don't know. Like, okay. There was a strange logic. What, yeah. does, what does that say about guys like you, Gord, who are receiving these PR packages who are so lazy in bed with their iPads, refusing to inflate beach balls? I feel like that's a commentary on uh, people who watch TV shows on DVD. But it's also a collector's item. So would you want some... You want your... DVD guys saliva all over <laughs> your beach ball that you just bought off eBay? N no. No. Which raises an interesting question. Do you wind up uh, s selling any stuff on eBay or do you no. mostly just mostly hang on to it? I'm what's called a, a hoarder. <laughs> I can although, see that. Although I've talked myself into if you just hoard one thing, you're actually called a collector. That's um... That's also my belief. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a collector of DVDs. I don't think it's right if, if a studio or someone gives you something for free, it's not right to sell it. Okay. It's the only thing I have done to get rid of some DVDs. I had a whole bunch of kids titles that I took to the Stollery Children's Hospital. That's not selling them, though. No, that's not selling. Now, given your current situation, which, uh, uh, Gord, well, would you like to tell our listeners what happened to you on Christmas Day? I had a visit from a stork, not Santa Claus. <laughs> That's right. So. Gord and his wife, Kat, had their first child. Yep. Is It's Broderick. Broderick Dimitri Lacey. Okay, there you go. Now, do you wish you hadn't given away those DVDs to the stallery now that you've got the kid? A little bit, but <laughs> no. No. I, I gave them two giant garbage bags. I think there was probably... Yeah, there's probably like 150 DVDs in there. Where could you possibly have kept those? This room, by the way, is full. It's full of DVDs. And there are other children's DVDs in here. Yeah, I just want there to are. point that out. There's no shortage. So he clearly still has some. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago I donated those. So, I've, so I it's since it. yeah. stocked back up yeah. with all these Elmo movies uh, to, my, <laughs> to my right. Which, uh, Scott, are they unwrapped? Hmm couple of them are no they're not come on <laughs> hey you gotta you gotta review a little bit of everything i do and i have i will admit to uh reviewing blues clues 
Which is a, it, heralded as one of the great kid shows, is it, it not? It, it is, but it's really creepy to watch as an adult because <laughs> I found myself talking to the television. Are you serious? Yeah, I was yelling at Steve. Steve, blue's behind you. Turn around, <laughs> Steve. Oh, God, just turn around, dude. <laughs> so equally as frustrated as kids. Now, um, you've only had the kid at the time of this recording for two weeks. Two weeks. He's pretty new. Um has this more or less completely disrupted your non-routine? Yeah, it's it's changed. It's changed a lot. Uh, one thing I do like is sleep. Yeah. And one thing kids like to do is not allow their parents to sleep. Yeah. So that's been it's been interesting. But does the ability to work from home make make the situation? I, I guess you don't have a frame of reference, but I, well, I have had a regular job before. No, I know that. I know that. But but you haven't had a kid before. No, I haven't had a kid before. I think it's good because I can help cat out. Yeah. I can help my wife out. I don't understand how some women stay home and just tend to a baby nonstop. Like that's, I, I'm surprised they don't go crazy. Yeah. Well, some do. Yeah. I'm sure it's it's a lot of work and I'm glad that I'm here to kind of help her out. But so. not as much TV on DVD then. I'm able to watch a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. I've got wireless headphones. Put those <laughs> on. Yeah. On average, how much television do you watch in a day? Not as much as I used to. When I was single <laughs> uh, and working from home. Those were days where, yeah, I wouldn't the put pants days. On. Yeah. No, was, the no pants days. No pants. Those were no pants weeks. <laughs> yeah. The no, that was when showering was optional from day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Very much Not so. so much. And so I would, I would easily watch eight, 10, 12 hours. I would usually measure my days in number of episodes. So I'd look at the clock and I'd go, okay, I don't have to be anywhere for eight episodes. Awesome. And I just toss discs in i would watch eight 12 episodes of the west wing in a day i've done that yeah i've also done that yeah i will continue to do that uh, one day i decided to watch all of stargate sg1 season five and i decided i will never do that again because it was it was not fun why wasn't it fun it was just too much yeah i don't remember the episodes or I didn't even back then. It just was this blur. I remember talking on the phone. I had to take a work call. I was like, damn it. That was an episode's worth of a call. It was <laughs> it was like 44 minute phone call. That was an episode. I'm an episode behind now. Do you find that you're measuring other things in terms of episodes? Like, oh, I've got a doctor's appointment. I'm going to be in the waiting room for at least three episodes. The way things I used to. <laughs> yeah. Not so much anymore. Someone should make you a watch. An episode watch? An episode watch. It's one episode, really, two episodes, yeah. three yeah. episodes. And you can indicate whether or not it's one of those shows that's a, that's got 20-minute episodes or 40-minute episodes. Yeah. But then some of the older shows would totally throw that out of whack because most episodes now are roughly 43 minutes. Yeah. To allow for time for commercials. Yeah, exactly. lots of commercials. Some of them are even 42 minutes. But then you look at a show from the 70s and you're at like, two minutes so they only had like two very brief commercial breaks i think so yeah there wasn't as much advertising on television yeah. at that time believe it or not there was a time when advertisers were not sold on this whole tv fad mm -hmm. and they thought that it was better money spent to continue advertising in print and on the radio wouldn't you know it there's an interesting phenomenon out there now called podcasting that we encourage advertisers to uh you know throw their names into so that we can promote their businesses. In fact, we have one such organization here in Edmonton, do we not? We do. And who are they, Scott? I believe that they are Guru Digital Arts College. Mm, yes, that sounds very fascinating. Tell me more. Uh, they are the Hogwarts of digital media education here in Edmonton. You get sorted into a house. Yes. That's not factual. Don't, no. Don't... Uh, don't quote me on that. They do have a headmaster, though. They do. Uh, Dumbledore-esque headmaster in Owen Briarly, who he, is as eccentric and uh, powerful yes. as Dumbledore. And will not be taken down by any Severus Snapes that we know of. Spoiler alert. Oh. So thanks to Guru for sponsoring us. 
How did you like that segue? That was that was seamless. That was that was stealthy. You don't look that impressed, Corey. No, I was I was sitting here going, <laughs> damn, that was great. No rules, no censors. It's Adam Rosenhart Unleashed. I'm occasionally a cyclist, a pedestrian, a car driver, and even a bus rider. And there's one thing that I can't stand more than other drivers who run yellow lights or, or cyclists who go through red lights, and that's pedestrians who walk against the blinking hand. Now, I know that just like any car driver, you think that the blinking hand is your yellow light and you should have license to drive through it no matter what. But let me tell you something about the blinking hand. When it starts blinking, you're supposed to stop and give other vehicles, and I know everyone hates cars, they're the devil, but it's supposed to give other vehicles the opportunity to make their left and right hand turns. It's about the flow of traffic, and most people absolutely ignore the blinking hand. And all you're doing <clears throat> is ruining someone's day. And let me tell you something, that is not fair. Now, when I'm a pedestrian, I'm guilty of running against the blinking hand, and I know it's bad, but I do it in a way that is at least a little bit sensible. I do it in a way that allows me the time to look for other cars. Is someone turning left? Is someone turning right on the blinking hand? Because if they are, in my opinion, and, and I don't know if this is the law, it seems like it should be, but in my opinion, the vehicle should get the priority there because it's about keeping things moving on the roads. If you're not keeping things moving on the roads, you're slowing everybody else down. And all you're doing is ruining people's day, and that's not something you want to be doing. So going against the blinking hand, people, stop doing it. You're just disrupting the flow of traffic, the flow of life for everybody else. It's not fair. It's rude. And even though cars are evil, we all have to work together in this crazy topsy-turvy world to make sure everyone gets safely to where they are going. This is the Unknown Studio. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. And now, a dramatic reading with Scott C. Bourgeois. The 1990 Dallas Cowboys season. The 1990 season was the Dallas Cowboys' 31st season in the NFL. The Cowboys rebounded from a 115 season in 1989 to a 7-9 record. Jimmy Johnson won AP's NFL Coach of the Year honors. The season began with a win over San Diego, breaking a 14-game home losing streak. The Cowboys showed some early season fight with two wins over Tampa Bay and a near miss against Philadelphia, but still stood only 3-7 and seven after 10 weeks and were seemingly out of playoff contention. However, the team caught fire in late November, winning four games in a row, including impressive wins over the Redskins and Saints, and a blowout victory over the Cardinals. The Cowboys entered the season's final two weeks needing only one win or Saints loss to make the playoffs as a wild card. However, in Game 15, quarterback Troy Aikman separated his shoulder early against the Eagles and was replaced by Babe Lufenberg. The Cowboys had traded backup Steve Walsh early in the season, and with Aikman injured, the Cowboys mustered little offense against the Eagles and lost 17-3. Meanwhile, the Saints upset the 49ers, handing the Niners only their second loss of the season to keep the Cowboys from clinching in Game 15. The next week, 
With Laufenberg again leading the offense, the Cowboys were thoroughly beaten 26-7 by the 4-11 Atlanta Falcons. When the Saints beat the Rams the next night, the Cowboys were eliminated from playoff contention. This season featured the debut of running back Emmett Smith. Smith held out during training camp and was only a minimal contributor in the season's early games, but began to show his future greatness with a 100-plus performance in Week 5 against Tampa Bay and had a few other outstanding games during the season. On October 28th, the Pork Chop Bowl was the NFL matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, which followed the infamous Bounty Bowl II. Even though almost a year had transpired since the notorious Bounty Bowl games, the vitriolic rivalry between the two teams was still firmly in Cowboys fans' memories. And this was the first encounter since Cowboys players and coaches were relentlessly pelted by snowballs during the last meeting at Philadelphia's Veterans Stadium. The week before game day in Dallas, Philadelphia head coach Buddy Ryan and Ted Plum, his offensive coordinator, were out for dinner. Coach Ryan was dining on pork chops and started to choke. Fortunately, Plum quickly initiated the Heimlich maneuver and saved Ryan's life. Word of the incident spread in Dallas, and hatred by Dallas fans was so fevered toward Ryan that former Cowboys president Tex Schramm dubbed the pending game on October 28th the Pork Chop Bowl. When the game began, Dallas fans tossed pork chops and similar simulated meat products from the stands toward the Eagles bench. The final score was 21-20 in favor of the Eagles. You do have the Golden Girls box set back there. Yep. Uh, He's have, been ogling it since he I actually it. have. Have you cracked that one open? No, I think I have the season set somewhere, too. <laughs> I actually joked, this was years ago, they had, uh, down in L.A., a TV on DVD conference. And I remember joking the very first one that some people even want Golden Girls on DVD. And I remember looking in the back and there was this Disney guy and he looked so pissed <laughs> off at my comment. And then they started releasing Golden Girls, and they sold very, very well. You know, anytime there's been a Golden Girls rerun on television, I'm not ashamed. Yeah, I am. I'm ashamed to say that I've watched it. Do you have the DVDs? No. So Christmas next year? Yeah, for sure. I have a birthday in the summer, too. Cool. Are, <laughs> what do you think, Scott? Are there any any DVDs in this room that you would be embarrassed to own? And this isn't, a, this isn't by the way, a judgment on Gord. He just has every single fucking DVD that's ever been made. I think Friends is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Well, unless you're a Friends fan. I'm not. I'm just... No, even if you are. Even if you are. Fair enough. Fair enough. Especially considering it's uh, syndicated everywhere, so it's not like you can't watch it every day. Ah, but here's the thing. Here's (laughs) the thing, Scott. Just because it's always on TV... People own TV shows on DVD because you can come home and you can watch that one episode whenever you want. That's true. If we leave, if you leave tonight and you want to go home, watch Buffy one more with feeling and you have the Buffy DVDs, you can. That's true. You don't have to sit around and wait for it to air on TV. You even have the Cosby show. That's right. Wow. Cosby show. And uh, I, my, my particularly favorite wall is this one because it contains all of them. All of the Star Treks. Yep. And is that Enterprise down there? No. Yeah. Is that? There is the cartoon down there, though. Yeah, there's the cartoon. Oh, my God. There's the original series. Uh, Getting back briefly to embarrassing ones, I'm going to point down behind me to Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, that I'd be a little embarrassed about that one if I owned it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. All the battle stars. This is is, uh, TV nerd heaven. Especially because there's Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Archer, and... Um, uh, and Astro Boy side by side, yes. Did, did I see Samurai Jack, too? Yep, there's Samurai Jack somewhere. Yeah, right there. Next yep. to Survivors, which is a great, great show. Now, have you seen the original Survivors or the remake Survivors? I've seen the Netflix Survivors. Uh, That's you... not an actual show. It's not. <laughs> no, you can't call it the Netflix well, Survivors. Well, it's the one the BBC did. BBC did both. Okay. 
Do you want to? Can I look? Did you watch? Did you watch the one that is in widescreen? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. It was when I first got Netflix like a year ago, and Scott Lowell actually told me to watch Survivors because it was good. What's the difference? Well, I mean, about, I know the difference about, between widescreen. About thirty or forty years. The original. Oh no, Survivors. no! I watched the new one. So the original Survivors came out. 1975. May I 75 that? to 77. And it's the same plot. It's the same plot. They've changed a bunch of the characters for the remake one. I watched both of them. The original is very slow. Yeah. And it's very slow, but it's also really, really interesting. Hmm. And the new one I liked a lot as well. I was really pissed off that it was only one season. I know. Why did they, why did it end? It just didn't get ratings. I don't think. That's unusual. I yeah. thought the BBC everything it did turned to gold, but I guess not everything. I I love a lot of British television. Yeah. Uh MI5, which is known as Spooks in the UK, one of my favorite shows of all time. Do you get a lot of uh do you get a lot of shows from sort of all over the world or is it primarily North America, UK stuff? Um I get some stuff from around the world. I just have a show I got a couple maybe a week ago that I haven't sat down and watched. It's called Underbelly and it's an Australian show. It's uh, three seasons were in this set. There is a fourth season that is aired, but it hasn't been released on DVD here yet. Hmm. And it's all about crime in Australia. It almost sounds like it's the Australian version of The Sopranos, but it takes place. Huh. It, it is based on some real events and it spans, I think, 30 or 40 years. Really? Yeah. Eight? Like a true crime sort of thing? Kind of, yeah. Kind of like based on true, true stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and that's one thing I love about my job is people, everybody knows Sopranos, everybody knows Simpsons, but then I'm able to discover tons and tons of TV shows that a lot of people have never heard of. Sometimes British shows, sometimes Australian shows, sometimes even, you know, cable shows that air in the States that maybe we don't get up here. Which does happen from time to time. Mm -hmm. Now, have you been able to bring any of those shows to people's attention and, and, uh, you know, sort of start the ball rolling on popularizing them? Or do you know? I guess that'd be kind of hard to trace. But. Yeah. I won't credit myself with anything like that. But <laughs> I, I do like talking about some of the obscure things. I absolutely love the David Attenborough BBC stuff. And everybody's familiar with Planet Earth, but he has tons of stuff yeah. from before Planet Earth. Well, actually, you've got them all over there. Life of Birds, yep. Life in the Undergrowth, Life in the Freezer. I've never heard of Life in Cold Blood. Is that all about reptiles? Yep. Oh, yeah, it's reptiles. Fantastic. Uh, Life of Mammals is great. Yeah. And the first one I watched with him is called Blue Planet. Yeah, and it was the all, Oceans one. Yeah, the Oceans one. It was all oh, so amazing. I think I've seen Blue Planet. Oh, it's brilliant. I found when I watched it, I'd have to close my mouth because my mouth would actually be hanging open and it would get all dry and stuff. It just. <laughs> I'm fairly confident that that was the first time I saw a uh, great white shark leap out of the water and yes. consume something. And I went, I'm not even safe on a boat. No. And uh, You'll die. only only further confirmed my fear of the ocean. Yeah. So. Well, there's, they actually said they were, they were pulling up all this stuff that they shot down below and scientists were viewing it because they were discovering new things all and the time. I, I, when oh, I first, wait, what is that? Yeah. yeah. I've never seen yeah, that What before. the hell is I that? I remember when I watched the uh, the deep ocean episodes, there were some shots where I'm just like, there's no way that that's real. Yeah. There's just no fucking way. Yeah. But I guess they were. And it, it's, wasn't it a show that took them a number of years to shoot? Yeah. Like, like something large, like 10 mm -hmm. or something. It and, was, I, I don't think it was that long because no? they were shooting everything in HD. I don't know if they were filming Yeah, that doesn't or... make sense, I guess. Maybe yeah. like five. But anyway, like it's a remarkable series. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love every single... I, I like everything, almost everything the BBC does. I watch uh, QI these days. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you watch that yep. show. That's a Stephen Fry quiz show. Yep. I think I've talked about it before. Yep, you have. Um, I love David Attenborough. I love... Uh, I saw Top Gear over here. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love the Top Gear series. I don't like the American or Australian Top Gear just, I didn't even know there was an Australian. The American one drives me crazy. They're just jackasses. It's, and is it that they're jackasses or is it that we have watched the relationship between the hosts on the BBC version? Like if you're looking at season, what, 17, 18 on the BBC one, they've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And then you throw three guys together on the American one and just expect them to have that kind of chemistry. And obviously they're not. 
because they they just met each other. Yeah. There was a nice I I really didn't like the American one, but on the DVD, they actually had a part where they sat down and they were just talking. They were just bullshitting. Really? And they actually had chemistry. Hmm. They were they were interesting. But so I wonder if some of it maybe the writing, poor writing on the American one? Probably. I always got the impression on the British one that they, because they're so sincere in the way they deliver that it mm-hmm. almost sounds like those guys write their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't even write anything anymore. They just sit down and throw stuff out and Maybe. that's that. I mean, who knows how these shows are put together. Yeah. So what are some new ones that you've gotten that you're eager to get your, your eyeballs on? Anything? Yeah, Boardwalk Empire. Ah, yes. It's not even in this room. It's that new. It's that it hasn't, new. It hasn't made it into the room. It's, it's uh, been freshly chopped from a box. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to be all over the place here. Are these in, they're, they're in, they're, they're not alphabetical. N- no, they're sort of, they're in half-assed alphabetical okay. because I tried doing it alphabetical one time, but the problem when you have a lot of shelves is you have to leave room for expansion. Yeah. And so I found I was always shuffling stuff around and then you hit one one shelf is full and it has to spill onto the next shelf and now you're having to go and adjust all these other shelves so when we moved into this house and i finally got this room kind of set up i thought all right i'm gonna do kind of half-assed alphabetical i'm gonna make it so that i just put things sort of alphabetical but then i'm done with it new new dvds are just going to be put on shelves and that's that. So you'll have like the sort of junk shelf yeah. over here. I've got a bunch of junk shelves. I have some stuff that I need to kind of move around. Maybe maybe put some stuff with other stuff and yeah. But so, it, it it is it's highly specific. <laughs> yeah, it's it just got to be too much. There's a science, but it's a science that only he understands. Actually, I have everything on the computer, I use a, a Mac program called Delicious Library. Everything is cataloged. Wow. Yeah, because if I need to find something on a shelf, I don't want to be wasting my time. I just do a quick search, looking for MI5 Volume 5. Do a search, okay, it's bookshelf 5, shelf 3. And that's that. Wow. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even think to do that. I just come in here and giggle quietly to myself until I go insane. I have a barcode scanner too. No, so. you don't. I do. It no. scans. It scans it into the computer. That's fantastic. And then it pulls in the data from Amazon. Wow. So when I was moving, it was nice because I'd scan everything as I put them in boxes, so I knew exactly which box which DVD was in. That's intense. Yeah. Wow. That's all I have to say to that. Is that is a level of. That you are a nerd on a level that I could only aspire. You're a professional nerd. It's, it's called organized. It's not nerd. No. No, I, th- I think, no. I think it is. No. Okay, fine. You've won this It's round. not, it's like the hoarding collecting thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a fine line and Gord has found it. And he straddles it. He's, <sighs> he is vigorously straddling that line. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any plans for, uh, for big changes at, at TV shows on DVD? Actually, we just, in the last month did a whole redesign ah so that took a lot of time so we're a little late to the party on the what's new because what's new has already happened but you should go see it tv shows on dvd.com and see this fantastic new redesign did you have a lot of involvement in it or yeah Yeah. too much oh really (laughs) uh it was it was the people at tv guide who are great to work with and work for they say you know we want we kind of want to update the website it's been this way for like eight years and it was that way for eight years because people hate change. Yeah. If you, uh, anyone that's on Facebook knows this, you change some <laughs> stuff, people are going to get pissed off. Uh, Brittany LeBlanc, friend of the show, is still angry about the changes to Twitter. Yeah. That happened months ago. She wants yeah. old Twitter back. She does. She fights for old Twitter to come back. And I'm just like... It's not... It's not no. going to happen. No. You might as well just embrace the change. Nope. She will continue to resist it until the next change. And then what What will she want then? Probably still the first Twitter back. <laughs> yeah. See, what I decided to do, because I knew people were going to be pissed off if I changed the site. I've had people that have been coming to the site for 10 years. So I decided what I was going to do was change the site, but make it so that they could go back 
if they wanted to. To a different design? To the original design. Well, actually the second design. Okay. The original design was a piece of crap that no one wants back. <laughs> Are you sure? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I decided basically people go and they click on a little link and it sets a cookie on their computer. And every time they visit the site, they get the classic site, not the new site. Well played. Yeah. Good branding too. I still have people that send me pissy emails telling me where to go and that I've wrecked the site and this and that. I'm like, oh, just click on that thing. And they're, oh, oh, thank you very much. Sorry (laughs) sorry about that last email where I wished you and your family dead, but sorry. (laughs) Sorry about all that cancer I wished on you. Yeah. People get really upset. (laughs) And uh, I think a lot of times people forget that there's actually someone that's going to read the email that they just sent. They think it's some big machine that's doing it. Yeah. So I always try and they respond. They forget that that big machine has a heart. Yeah. I always try and respond quickly to people who email. Yeah. And oftentimes that freaks people out. They, they're they like, oh my God, you actually responded. It's like, well, you sent me an email. Well, that's pretty unique. I mean, in a, in a world where if you, if you want to talk to anyone at Facebook too bad or Google or whatever, um, it's not going to happen. Um, We're a little, little smaller. I, I know. It's I know. myself and uh, there's someone else that works on the website. Dave Lambert, he posts a lot of the news and he's been with the site f- since almost the beginning. Okay. He was, well. And he works down in the States, right? Yeah, he's in Memphis and we've actually never met. Really? Yeah. Is that weird? It, it, it is weird, but I think now it's been so long that it would be weird if we actually met. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so, yeah, 10 years, huh? Mm. Yeah. So. They've got a perfectly fine working relationship, Adam. Why would they want to ruin it? That's fair. That's totally fair. By Don't meeting each other face to face. Never meet. Never meet you. I think, I think we will. Yeah. Sometime. One day. And it'll be weird for five or ten minutes and then we'll be cool. Right on. Now, uh, before we get to my favorite part of the show. Indeed. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your personal blog. Can we talk about that? Is that okay? Sure. Because you have recently started blogging just for yourself. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's great. It's interesting. And the nice thing about it is that Gord is going to be talking about fatherhood, I think. Some, yeah. A little bit. So if people go to gordovision.com, yeah. you can read all of Gord's it's, musings. I think my fifth or sixth or seventh time trying to, You're trying to start a blog. Blog. Well, we've yeah. we've tried blogging a few times. Yeah. And it, uh, we continue to try blogging. We're, we're always going to we just keep trying. And uh, I will continue to make the same promise I do virtually every episode. We will get better at updating our website. Oh, yeah. We really will. Which is also in need of a redesign. Mm. Which is coming. And on that note. Yeah. It is time for Adam's favoritist, mostest favoritist part of the show. You mean the Fast 15? I sure do. Gord, as a diehard Unknown Studio listener, I know you know what's going to happen next. But for just in case you forgot... Do I have to take my pants off? Yes. You were wearing pants? I Just in case you've forgotten, or we have new listeners, God forbid, uh, here's how it works. We ask Gord... 13 standard questions that we ask of all of our guests, just to add some color. And then the last two questions we're going to ask you in this Fast 15 are two wildcard questions related to what you do. Mm. I'm scared. And here we go. The Fast 15 as read by Mr. Scott Seaboard. Yeah, we're going to change things up today. I'm going to read the Fast 15. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Gord, favorite food? Pizza. Favorite color? Uh, I don't know. Blue? Yeah. Blue's a safe bet. Yeah. I like that as a kid. We'll stick with that. <laughs> okay. Mac, PC, or Linux? Definitely Mac. There yes. you go. Dogs or cats? I've got one of each. So no preference? No. It depends on the day. It's, it's like, it's it's like choosing between his children. <laughs> yeah. It depends on which one has wrecked one of my things last. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Coffee or tea? Neither. I don't like hot liquids. <laughs> Sorry. It's Adam's true. showing I, I his level of maturity I'm right now. Sorry. I don't, I don't like... Way, it was the way you were looking at me. Gord's like looking at me, I don't like hot liquids. <laughs> at least that's how I remember it. Yeah, I don't I don't like tea, coffee, hot chocolate. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Favorite holiday? International DVD day. Is that a, is that a thing? That's a thing. 
No. Yeah, it is. We're going to say it's a thing. And uh, it is a thing that happens on January 8th of every year. Yeah. Starting D- D- now. DVD day. Yeah. Yay. So mark your calendars. January 8th is now International DVD Day. Favorite sport? I like watching hockey. That's I fair. like participating in discus. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're so full of shit. Favorite pastime? Watching TV. That is acceptable <laughs> and appropriate. Favorite music right now? Something that you're listening to that you're just enjoying. Right now, I have gotten into kind of classical music and not necessarily like Mozart and whatever, but I'm really loving the Doctor Who score. Oh. So nice. like uh, kind of like ambient Yeah, music. like, well, like classic. Instrumental. Like orchestral stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's a group I just found and they're old but it's penguin cafe orchestra hmm. i'll have Never to check them out it's they're from like from the 70s up to the 90s the huh. official band of international dvd day <laughs> right yeah okay sure. they are now all right favorite movie i really liked uh last of the mohicans i think that's that's a, your favorite movie i it's it's up there okay i really like it it's a good mix of Beautiful cinematography, good story, lots of action. Mm-hmm. It's a little love story. It won some awards, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I did recall winning some I awards. I cried at the end. You did? Yeah. Are you a crying? Every time. Okay. I cried during Doctor Who. Like every season, there's a, <laughs> there's like one or two episodes of Doctor Who. I'm like, damn you, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid British television. <laughs> Why did he have to die? And come back. Favorite video game. I don't know. There's too many. Pick one. Pick one of your favorites right now. I like pinball. Yes, you do. I really like pinball. On the PlayStation or the iPad? All of the above. Okay. If there is a pinball to be balled, he will pin it. Yeah. There's balls That's to be a... played with. <laughs> he will be pinning those I will, balls. I'll, yep. There you go. <laughs> Coining new turns of phrase. We are on the unknown studio. I don't know why Adam's face is red. (laughs) Because I'm laughing and I feel, I'm embarrassed for our listeners. He he feels a little violated. A little bit. Uh, If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, I would love to be able to uh, morph my body into anything. Nice. Shapeshifter. A a shapeshifter, a transformer, if you will. You could play yourself as a pinball machine. Well, see, I was thinking invisibility, but no. No? If you could, like, shapeshift into George Clooney, I think that would You would be as good as invisible. Yeah. Yeah. Or better. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd be able to get in wherever you want, just like invisibility, (laughs) but you'd also get free stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And babes. More than DVDs. Yeah, definitely. Star Wars or Star Trek? I like them both, but I would definitely say Star Trek has the edge. That's fair. It's fair. He does have a wall full of Star Trek over there. That's true. All right. uh, First wild card question. What is the worst, the single worst television series you have ever reviewed? Jersey Shore. You've had to review Jersey Shore. I've watched all four seasons on DVD. Oh, man. And And is it bad because it's bad television or are they also bad DVDs? They're actually good DVDs. Is that right? Yeah, they're good DVDs. Doesn't that kill you? That they put such good quality <laughs> to such terrible material. No, because, well, because there are lots of fans of it. Yeah. And it's my opinion that every show has a fan and and fans should be rewarded for their fandom. So even though I don't like Friends, I don't like Jersey Shore, there are tons of people out there that do. And it's great that they made good DVD sets for them. Fair but enough. it's still terrible television. It's just... I feel my brain, my brain hurts after watching it. I feel, I start drooling on the couch and it's just, it's, it's not intelligent television. No. It's the opposite of a David Attenborough. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. You feel, you get less educated. Yeah. Yes. You, you by, actually get dumb by yeah. watching it. Yeah. yeah. All right. And uh, possibly related, second wild card question. What is your favorite TV actor? Snooky. No. <laughs> a terrible series. Great actors. Yeah. Actor. I have no idea. It could even be someone you, you really enjoy lately. Yeah. I wanted to make it hard for you. Hard and interesting. 
Yeah, I really don't know. Okay, Favorite we're going to say Timothy Hutton from Leverage then. <laughs> he is good, yeah. I just really like him. I like I like <laughs> Leverage. Yeah. yeah, it is a good show. It it's is a wonderful show. show. And it's also got a lot of episodes directed by Commander Riker, mm-hmm. which is great. He Who is, is, let's be fair, Jonathan Frakes is... Adam's favorite television. Oh yeah, so he is a very good actor. True, he's he's a good direct. What I like is when good good actors become even better directors. And yeah, Frakes has done a lot of great TV. Yeah, I'm sure you are a big fan of Roswell. I actually have never watched it. You haven't watched Roswell? No, you're missing out. Colin Hanks, very good in there. Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks. Really? Tom Hanks' son. Fantastic. Who is awesome in Dexter as well. You've given us so much to think about and watch for. Gord Lacey, I know we barely scratched the surface, but thank you for being on The Unknown Studio, the first episode of 2012. That's fact. right. So happy new year to you, sir. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch and you guys. good TV watching to you. Yeah, we'll see you on the intertubes. Is that a hybrid television? No, never mind. On the Netflix? That's, That's what, more kind of we're going to do that. For. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 61. Our guest, Gord Lacey, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. I liked Skeletor's voice. He didn't have the same voice in the uh, remake. He did not. No. He didn't He didn't sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> what did he sound like? I think he sounded more like this. So he sounded like Batman. He sounded more evil. I honestly can't recall. Sinister, but I'm pretty sure, sexually sinister. I'm pretty sure he didn't sound... Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't sound like this anymore, though. <laughs> it's like from one of the old talkies. Yes. Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he laughed. English idiots, you couldn't even beat a motley group of gnomes. <laughs>